Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard. Scott Reynolds is in the house. We are talking 2022 NFL Draft wide receivers, and we're not the only ones talking about him, Scott. Apparently, the Bucks are talking about him too because they've had a bunch of visits, or they will have a bunch of visits, and have had a bunch of meetings and been to pro days for wide receivers in this class and even though their room is up there with the best in the nfl already could they really be adding a first or second round wide out to this group scott it feels crazy but it seems like they've put a lot of attention and energy and time into looking at the group that way yeah i think so john it's um it's kind of crazy to think about right because wide receiver is not a pressing need although you you have to go back to that last game of the season, right? When you're looking at at the Rams beating yep. the Buccaneers, the Bucs were without Chris Godwin, obviously. Antonio yep. Brown had already quit on the team. They had Mike <laughs> Evans, who had a good game. He, he torched Jalen yep. Ramsey for a touchdown in that game. But Second Cyril half, Grayson yeah. was out. Rashad Perriman was out. So it it was it was Tyler uh, Johnson got hurt in the fourth quarter. He remember? did. And didn't it do much like before they, that. <laughs> they had to run 11 personnel with two tight ends, which isn't 11 personnel at all. Like they yeah. had to, they ran their like 11 personnel packages just with, with Brader Gronk as a wideout because they that's didn't, right. John Brown wasn't ready yet. So yep. yeah, that's a situation. I mean, that level of unluckiness is tough, Scott, but it's definitely a situation you're right. Yep. They don't want to be anywhere close to that it, again. It is, season. John. And this is the second time that Bruce Arians and Jason Light have gone through this. At the end of the 2019 season, we've talked about it before, no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin, no Scotty Miller. Brashard Perriman actually came through with, in the clutch with three 100-yard games for Jameis Winston, but it wasn't enough. They lost their last two games of the season to finish 7-9 and nine instead of 9-7. and seven. Thank God they did in hindsight because Tom Brady came the next year and won the Super Bowl with them. But this is now two years out of three, John, where this is a quarterback-led, wide receiver-driven offense mm-hmm. that has just run out of bodies at the end of the year. Yeah. And it's cost them with a chance to get into the postseason in 2019, and it cost them in the postseason last year. The year everyone was healthy, 2020, they won the Super Bowl at the wide receiver position. Right. I think that's the key, Scott, what you just said. This offense, it's not like this is every team in the league will should do this the same way. No, different systems require different things. And the reality is the Bucks offense have built their their you know upper hand that they have on you, if you will, is that in their system, if they've got wideouts that can beat you one-on-one, it's really hard to scheme up ways to stop them because you right. like a lot of teams have tried zone coverage against the Bucs and it just has not been successful. So you basically need a team that can match up in man. If the Bucs are full strength, you basically yep. need a team that can match up in man and contend with you. Obviously, there's always mixing of coverage depending on down and That's distance, right. but predominantly you need that game plan to come out in man and stop the Bucs. The Dolphins tried it when the Bucs were at full strength. And they have yep. some of the best corners in the league, some of the highest mm-hmm. paid corners in the league, and they got smoked. Those boys didn't got work to work well. all game long, Scott. And then yeah. you fast forward to the Saints, and they didn't have Godwin and they when he got knocked out of the game. Yeah. Evans, and they didn't have A.B., and it was a totally different story. And, yes, the Saints are probably a little bit better in that role than the Dolphins were at that point in the season. John, they couldn't score any points. That's right. Couldn't score any points. They couldn't score a single point against the Saints. Zip. It was crazy. Yeah, exactly. It is an offense that is predicated. Everybody's going to say, oh, how much help does Brady need? And I get it. And some of the, some of the jokes are actually pretty funny. But yeah. um, the reality is that the offense is built upon wide receivers being able to win one-on-one just in the way that they do things and the way that they operate. And so there is a lot more of that than there is in other offenses yeah. where you can you kind know of what, plug people in a little bit more easily. You're right. And you look at the number of targets. Now, some of these, right, Gronk missed you know, five games last year due to injury. Fournette missed a couple games down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But when you look at, at Chris Godwin, who, like you said, got hurt against the Saints, he, he still led the team in targets, even though he missed, what, the last almost four games of the year? Mike right. Evans was healthy for all, I should say, for 16 out of the 17 games, but 127 targets for Chris Godwin, 114 for Mike Evans. He was the second targeted uh, receiver on the team. Gronk was third. He's a, a tight end with 89. Fournette was fourth, a running back with 84. But then you're back to wide receiver. Antonio Brown, who missed time with injuries and a suspension that probably led to more catches mm-hmm. and more targets for Fournette and Gronk as yep. a result, because when he was healthy at the beginning of the year, he was pacing up there with Godwin and, and Evans for targets and receptions and catches. 100%. So yeah. 62 for him. 
Then you have Brait with 57. Again, more targets for him because of injuries at receiver. Then you've got Tyler Johnson with 55. So you add them all up. That's right. That's four wide receivers that had 55 targets or more. So is there room mm-hmm. for another premium wide receiver in this offense when you've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and the new receiver, Russell Gage? Yeah, there is. Yeah, absolutely. There is there. It needs to be Scott, because this is the way that this group operates. So yeah, they're looking at this draft class for a wide receiver. And I know, actually, I don't even know that fans would be bothered by that. There will be some, obviously it's like, why would they take a wide out? They need to help the defense. And I understand that. I'm not saying they're totally wrong about that first, always wait till the whole draft plays out. And, and honestly for agency too, like that's not over after the draft, people forget like a lot of good players get added later in the process, but you're right. Like they do need to focus on defense and you're right. To some degree it would be luxury, but an injury or two happens. And that what Scott and I are trying to say is that it becomes a need, not a luxury on this team pretty quickly. And so those are things that they have to be aware of. And so there could be another weapon heading to Tampa Bay, whether people like that or not, you feel free to sound off in the chat, but, that is what we John, are looking at just in terms of reality because we've been over it, Scott. There have been visits of plentiful with the Bucs. We're going to talk about some of those specific situations right. with wide receivers in the box. They are looking at this class. They are looking at best player available, first of all, 27. And the reality is that wide receiver is one of the deeper, not an elite class, but one of the deeper yeah. groups in this draft. And they might just have the best player available on their board be mm-hmm. a wideout by the time the 27th pick comes. Exactly. And there's a couple of things to consider too, John. They signed their franchise player, Chris Godwin, to a three-year $20 million deal, and he's coming off mm-hmm. of an ACL injury. So he may not be back to 100% physically by the start of training camp or maybe to being he, his normal self. Especially. Being his normal self, exactly. So there's a, a little bit of flexibility now with the signing of Russell Gage because he's a player that has played in the slot, is big enough at six foot 184. And then John, as you pointed out before, he's a physical dude. Like he was a, a gunner on punt teams uh, at LSU. And he will do some of the dirty work for the Falcons in the run game. Remember, Arthur Smith, that was kind of a run-first offense, or at least a balanced offense last year with Mike Davis, Cordero Patterson. So Russell Gage is, is a player that that does give the Bucks a little bit of coverage because he can fill in and maybe take some of those snaps for Chris Godwin if Godwin is not at a you know a full pitch count by the start of the season or if he's not 100% physically whatever so they do have some flexibility there the other thing to consider too is listen nobody especially me is 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 uh on the way to to push Mike Evans out the door right he is still on top of his game this has been now eight straight years with 1000 yards receiving it's an NFL record fourth pro bowl in his career this past season but John, you look at it, he's 28. He's a big-bodied receiver, which means when he does lose a step in a year or two or three or four, whatever that is, he still can be effective as a as a possession receiver. Buccaneer fans, think about Vincent Jackson at the tail end of his career when the Bucs drafted Mike Evans. He was the more explosive guy. And Vincent Jackson was the more possession-type guy who had lost a step. But if you if you if you draft a wide receiver this year, that's the topic of, of the day. Mm-hmm. If you draft a receiver, John, in the first round, you get the fifth-year option. So if you add five years to Mike Evans, now you're looking at a 33-year-old Mike Evans by the time wide receiver X, your first-round pick, Tampa Bay, is in that fifth-year option. So you could be eventually, if the player pans out, drafting the replacement for Mike Evans at some point in time because he's not going to play forever. True. Yeah. I mean, it would probably be distant future, you know, there is a buck, but yeah, you never know. I mean, when those things are going to, are going to come up, obviously. So always be thinking about the future. And I think really having somebody that could take, you know, 15 snaps, 20 snaps right now and kind of balance things out with gauge and split a role would be what they were looking for if they did select a receiver like that. So we'll see. I mean, there, there are lots of different ways. I think it's that it's not just splitting with gauge, but it's maybe can you cut down Godwin has played 90% of the snaps. In most of his, his entire career in, in Tampa Bay, or not his entire career, but the last couple of years in Tampa Bay, yep. mainly because they don't really have a, a one-on-one replacement for him. So right. that is where a lot of our evaluation will start. I'm excited to do this, guy. We haven't really done yep. this before. Like, look at the class and rank them according to what the Bucks would look at, basically, at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I'll talk about some of the criteria that I found kind of valuable in, in assessing what they look at, and right. it will explain why we take actually some of the wideouts 
off the board when we do this. But first, I do want to get to just some of the questions and comments. Yeah. Well, it's it's one thing we need to point out is as you're reading along and listening along and watching along, make sure you check out John's Bucks briefing because that was a fantastic article today ranking the Buccaneers wide receivers in terms of of uh, of John's rankings, where he sees them. And, and it's mm-hmm. it's not conventional, which I love too. It's your own rankings. You're, yeah. You kind of got blinders on and these other mock draft people are gonna they're, they're gonna rank guys the way they see them, yeah. And um, and you're doing it off the tape, and and you, gosh, you've been you've been doing the research for this for weeks. So. Yeah, it's kind of a totally unique pro- like it's not you know what we do a good job of is kind of balancing our opinions. I think yeah, your report with what we think the Bucks are gonna do, and what we do is really we attack the draft in two different ways. You really look so hard at what the bucks are going to like. And then I kind of provide, like I look at things kind of neutrally and just provide Mm -hmm. like evaluation of players and valuation of players where they kind of should or, or could go and And really kind of like like a league wide perspective, John. Exactly. Right. It's kind of a a dual thing. So yeah, I I appreciate the kind comments about those from people in the chat and yeah, check that article out of Peter report. That is my wide receiver rankings, but what we're going to do today is something like Scott indicated really different in terms of just looking at the Bucks criteria at the position, yeah. what they value. And it will actually take some of the guys on my board, basically off the board in yeah. some way. So I'm excited to do that. But there are a couple comments I wanted to acknowledge, too, um, just about the Saints losing Malcolm Jenkins. He decides to retire today, announces retirement. I kind of got a hint of this a couple of days ago when they asked Dennis Allen, basically, they were like, oh, what's. Have Malcolm Jenkins said if he wants to continue playing or not? And he's like, you should probably ask him. And I was like, oh, okay, so he gone. Um, so Jenkins is just a very valuable player for them because there are not – I'm not saying he's like the biggest role, but what he does allows the other pieces to be really good at what they do in terms of being a tight end stopper. You can play dime defense because he and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson are so good against the run on the field. When, when they're going in those dimes and nickel sets a lot of the time, they can roll guys into the box without changing personnel. He can act as a linebacker, and then he's also a slot corner at times for you too. Bigger wideouts, tight ends, man coverage, zone deep, communicator, leader, captain. I mean, all of those hats that he wears, it's a very tough player to replace, and there's talks about Tyron Matthew, and we'll see what ends up happening with that, obviously, um, would be going back to the area which he came from with LSU. But um, I, I don't know whether that'll happen or not. I don't know that Matthew's the same player as Jenkins in terms of fulfilling the same role either, so it'd be a little bit more unique. But that's definitely a loss for the Saints, no question about it. Acknowledge that in the division. Probably one of the more underrated players, I think, of the last 10 years. Cookie Monster just wants to know neutrally if I'd have CD as my number one wide receiver ahead of Burks if CD Lamb were in this class. I think I would, yes. I think this class is good. I don't really see it as a great class. I really like CD Lamb coming out. Now, having seen him in the NFL, if I'm, you know, I'm trying to avoid that and when I'm answering your question, because I don't obviously when you see guys in the NFL, you realize that what their limitations are going to be usually pretty quickly. Uh, and I do think there's some limitations on him that there probably aren't on Burks, but he was more of a sure thing to me than Burks is. There's still some level of projection with Burks that I didn't think there was with CD. Like he was at least CD was at least going to be good, if not great. And right now he looks like a really good receiver. And we'll see if he can vault to kind of being a great wide receiver. I didn't see this at all, Scott. Nate Pitt says, did y'all see Jalen Ramsey's top five wide receivers in the league? I noticed he didn't list Mike Evans, who roasted him <laughs> on the field. That is true. I mean, to be fair, I don't have Mike Evans in my top five wide receivers in the NFL either. I think he's outstanding, but I won't have him in my top five when I release those lists. So I, I don't know. This one I didn't see. I'd be curious to see who he had in his top five because it's usually pretty diff- different than consensus. But right. I don't think Evans would be in there for me either. Hopefully that's not like surprising to people. but. I'd like to see uh, kind of who he had, who Jalen Ramsey had and considered in there. Um, somebody says you were the only reporter on camera in the Joel Glazer interview. You must okay. have found the right position to be in, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. And so um, I'm getting hard of hearing and I'm losing my vision and I can't walk anymore. So I need to get as close as possible. Close to Joel as possible so I can hear what he's saying. Now, I just, uh, I like to be front and center. I'm like a teacher's right. pet. Couple of questions before we jump into the wide receiver rank, the rankings for this class. Is Darden already be. on the bubble or will he give him time? I know we kind of are all pretty low on Jalen Darden at Peter Report. I think yeah. I speak for the entire staff, but Correct. do you think the Bucks will have him on the bubble already, Scott? It seems like to me this is he probably gets an I mean, not that he couldn't play himself out of a job, but I would imagine right. he goes into training camp with them kind of saying, Yeah, he'll be the return guy. And I I, I think so. But I think he's got to return, he's got to earn that return position. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, and, and we'll see. Maybe they get a running back or a cornerback, you know, in the draft that has some returnability as well. Maybe another wide receiver, who knows? But uh, I, I think Jalen Darden, Tyler Johnson, and Scotty Miller disappointed this team on offense last mm-hmm. year, and even Darden on special teams too. So I, if I'm if I'm any of those three players, I'm very concerned because you've added Russell Gage, you brought back Rashad Perriman. Uh, we you you kind of moved down the totem pole last year when Cyril Grayson emerged against Carolina and then had that great game against the Jets. So to me, I I think those three players are and should be on the bubble. This is a what have you done for me lately league. It was just, you know, over a year ago that Scotty Miller had the play in the playoffs mm-hmm. against Green Bay. The guy got hurt at the beginning yeah. of the season, couldn't sniff the field on offense outside of a reverse you know, at the end of the season. So I, right. I, I think so. The problem I have with Jart with Jalen Darden is, is he doesn't get a lot of separation. He's, he's more quick than fast. He can't catch the ball reliably. If you go back to that Washington game mm-hmm. where the ball hit him right in the hands. And Technically it, 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 there's it, just a lot of work that needs to be done for him to yeah, play he, wide out. He, and he doesn't, he didn't have a lot of reps, but no, he didn't. And he's got such a small catch radius and you've got a very accurate quarterback in Tom Brady. But if you look at, at the last couple players the Buccaneers have signed at the wide receiver core, and this is kind of key, right? Let's let's start with the obvious, right? They re-signed Chris Godwin, 6'1". They mm-hmm. signed Russell Gage, 6'0". They, they added Vincent Smith, who's probably not going to make the team, former Jets player, 6'3". They added Austin Watkins, who probably, once they draft a receiver, this guy would be the first guy off the team, 6'3". They brought back Travis Johnson, 6'4". They re-signed Brashad Perriman 6'2". Mm-hmm. Uh, the the shortest guy that they that they've signed this offseason is Russell Gage at six foot. Mm-hmm. I, right. I just I know that Bruce Arians has had some success before with the John Browns, the JJ Burdens, uh, not JJ Burden, uh, JJ Nelson at, at mm-hmm. Arizona, the smaller guys, Scotty Miller, he drafted them here. Those guys just aren't panning out. And yeah. in, in speed. Speed can only get you so far. If if you yeah. don't have the physicality to re, to release and get off the line, your speed can be negated at the line of scrimmage. You yeah. can get bullied down the field. I just don't see these small, fast guys really mm-hmm. panning out for the Buccaneers. And it's really the only time they've gone away from their prototype. Their prototype has been drafting and free agency outside of Antonio Brown, an obvious exception because he was one of the greatest wide receivers of all time yeah. already before they signed him. Um, but it, it, when they're going to invest basically in a player – they really care about size and they really care about speed. And to a degree, they care about leaping ability. I wrote an article yeah. uh, shortly after I started, actually, Peter, like a month or two after I started, I yeah. think it, it was it was about like the the criteria that Jason Light basically uses to evaluate wide receivers in the draft. And using that criteria, I basically just chopped the class down. And it was that they have to run like at least usually a 4-4-40 or mm-hmm. have comparable. I mean, Mike Evans ran a 4-5, but he was 231 pounds. So yeah. that's like a 4-4 for a normal yeah. guy. Um, you know, so you, they do weight adjust those times and stuff. But basically everybody they've, t- they've, they've drafted or acquired has been fast. Um, at wide yep. receiver has, is running those four fours or better range. The guys that we know they've been interested in in past classes have been fast. Yep. Um, and they've almost always had size, especially if it's an early round player. The only time you get away from that is later in the rounds when they think a guy's fast enough or playmaker enough to take a chance on that smaller, like a Scotty Miller, they'll right. do that. Or when they go like they're drafting and they're basically saying, we want a return guy yep. and then a gadget guy, hopefully they can help us out, but it'll never be more than like a fourth or fifth ancillary piece right. but because he's going to be active on game days he might be able to help us out that's Jalen yeah. Darden that's Kalen Clay in the past yep. those were the kind they saw them they were return guys right. who had hats on game day so can you help us out in a small package of plays but when they're looking for receivers especially early in the draft it is almost always going to be bigger guys who can run that is right. pretty much where their criteria starts and then there's also other things that we'll get into that they like and dislike at the position as well. So with that criteria in mind, Scott, I am curious what wide receiver, let's just pretend for a second, oh, all the wide receivers in this class okay. are on the board. So I'm going to make Bucks a choice. Lie. Yes. So um, let's just say nobody's drafted a wide receiver for 26 picks. Yeah. Who do you believe is going to be the top wide receiver in this class for the Bucks draft board? Well, my top pick, John, is Orange Celsius. <laughs> you that, that's, that's my number one pick right there. Make the people okay. wait. <laughs> yep. So I'm going to go with Orange Celsius for the number one pick. Now, what I like about Orange Celsius is Orange Celsius is fast. It goes down extremely fast. It's not a huge can. 
-hmm. It's chuggable. Um, I, I like to savor my Celsius though. Word. Yeah. Uh, I like to, to savor it. It's, it's like my morning beverage. It, it, it works for me. What, what I like about it is it's fast. It works fast. So I, I, I really get the energy. It's a high mm -hmm. energy pick for me and, uh, and it's long lasting. So the endurance is there. It lasts all day long. So what I'm talking about folks is no sugar, no preservatives, and that means no crash. So you get all the energy from, from Celsius without that sugar crash. And, uh, and the great thing is where you can pick up or select or draft your Celsius is at any of the convenience stores, health nutrition stores, some of, of the bigger chain grocery stores uh, around this country. And where you find that is you can go click on those banner ads on PeterReport.com and you're reading John's Bucks briefing on these wide receivers we're talking about today. Or you can go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator. And then once you find the ones that you like, holy smokes, go to Amazon, buy them in bulk and save money with the subscribe and save. They ship them right to your door. So, John, uh, that's my number one pick today is, is orange. I love it. I think it's a great choice. I'm a peach vibe myself right now, but honestly, they're all good. And uh, I can't recommend them enough. Celsius truly a game changer. When we get to the actual wide receiver prospects in this class, Scott. Oh, prospects. That's where it gets, okay. yeah, prospects. Yeah. That gets gets a little bit trickier, and so I don't know. I'm curious what Bucks fans think as well. But yeah. who do you think is the number one wide receiver on the Bucks board right now? As they have it stacked, of course, not knowing how this thing's going to unfold. Some people yeah. are saying Garrett Wilson's going in the top ten, Jameis yeah. Williams going in the top ten, Burks, London. Like nobody has any consensus. I wouldn't in the wide be receiver. surprised if it is Garrett Wilson. And, and typically, what I do, and sometimes it gets me in trouble a little bit, but but. Um, I typically look at at the players. I look at where the Bucks are selecting. They're at 27. And I I would be shocked if Garrett Wilson lasts past 15. So I really haven't, outside of just watching some highlights, haven't even studied him a whole bunch. I, I, I know that the consensus is that he is either number one or number two in terms of the rankings for most people. John, where did you have him on yours? You had him uh, second? I had him second, yeah. But yeah. I don't think he'll be in the top four for the bucks if i was guessing if i'm just yeah. guessing a i think he will be off the board by 27 but based on the exercise we're doing yeah i'm, I'm i am guessing here obviously but i right. think that they like alave more than wilson and here's why i basically think that wilson to me is a better all-around player maybe than alave he mm -hmm. does play i think he, there is maybe an easier projection for him to play inside outside that would be kind of the nod that the bucks might give him over alave yeah. but alave is just a better vertical receiver and yes. a better playmaker down the field right now than Wilson is. Wilson could do that stuff for sure. He obviously ran well, but he is a little bit more of a possession guy. Yep. There is going to be a level of – the big question mark for both of those guys is going to be physicality for the Bucs yep. because I don't know that either of them project to a typical – to what the Bucs would like to have. I think they would like right. to have – especially having just gotten Gage, who's a, who's a good player, but he's probably more reminiscent of these two in terms of his skill set than he is – Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. I think they're looking for somebody with a little bit more physicality, size, inside outside ability to their game. Could yep. block, could plug in Godwin if needed, but could play outside and go vertical if needed. So to me, I think the number one guy on their board, and it happens to be the number one board. So maybe that is jading me slightly, but I think it's Traylon Burks. I mean, he oh, played I, inside I, I, I agree, Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, he played I, outside then later. Like, he played a handful of snaps outside and was dominant in those reps. He runs away from people. Yeah. He has the speed on tape. He, I know his 4.5540 gives people some pause, but Scott. I'm not worried about that. I mean, his <laughs> flying 20, which is like the second 20 of the 40-yard yeah. dash, he is just moving. Like, you can see on tape, he just runs away from people in so many games. And we're talking about SEC competition yes. in an offense that was incompetent oh, other yeah. than him. I'm a he, big he destroyed fan, Alabama. I, I mean, he, yeah. he had some great games against Alabama's defense. I, I'm a big Burks fan as well. And my point was going to be, I think Wilson is probably the only wide receiver that's probably for sure off the board by the time the Bucks pick. I think Olave could be there. I think Burks could be there, right? And um, Who did you I, say is off the board, do you think? I think Wilson will be the only Wilson. wide receiver that could be off the board. And then I think the next guy that could be off the board is Drake London. We'll talk about him in a little bit. So to me, I think those are the two players that for sure I would be shocked if they're there at 27. I could see Olave be there. I could certainly see Burks be there because of the slower 40 time, which I'm like, come on, that's fine. <laughs> but 
I believe that that London and and Wilson are probably the two guys that that will be out of reach. And Jamison Williams, had he not tore his ACL, I think that he would have been in that mix as well. Not been there, probably a top ten, top fifteen pick. Uh, and I agree with your assessment, John. I'm not as sold on Williams as as maybe other teams are, or in terms of of mock drafts and all of that. Because when you look at at Williams, you're basically going to be drafting a, a player that has got tremendous speed, that is a real vertical threat. So there's there's certainly a fit there for the Buccaneers with his ability to catch the ball and and make big plays downfield. The problem is, I don't think that that even if he's on the board at number 27, you just signed Chris Godwin to uh, a 20 million dollar per year deal. He's coming off mm-hmm. a torn ACL. I believe that that uh, this injury that's that's uh, happened to Williams will probably keep him out his rookie season or at least make him a contributor for later in his rookie season. So he's going to be behind the eight ball wherever he's drafted. And I think right now with the Buccaneers in win now mode, I don't think they they want or have the luxury of selecting a player in the first round like Williams that they're going to have to wait on. But yeah, if Brooks is there, I mean, I think he is a dynamic playmaker yeah. that could do so much for the Buccaneers with his size, with his ability to go up and get contested catch uh, opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I it Really, if you take Chris Godwin, who is the slot receiver for the Buccaneers mm-hmm. with, with some real good yak ability mm-hmm. and, and Mike Evans and put him in a blender, I think you get Trey Lundberg's. Yeah. I mean, it's not too far off to me. The the comp that I keep coming back to, and people know who followed me before, I don't always do comps. I, I only do them if they're obvious to me. Yeah. I don't like to stretch to make comparisons. It reminds me of, of, of LaVisca Chanel. You know, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's better than better, that. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of the body type. But in terms side. of raw skill set, yeah. yeah, yeah, the yeah. body type and playing inside some. But the big difference for me is that I just feel like Burks was way better down the field than Chanel was. Like oh, he yeah. didn't get a lot of opportunities down the field because of his quarterback playing college. Right. But usually it's also as something like not a lot of guys that aren't making plays down the field in college and then in the NFL, they just become these big play receivers. Mm-hmm. Burks, even with his quarterback play, was going out there running yeah. by people, making plays down the field. And some of his contested catches are just – I just still don't think he's getting enough credit for yeah. contested catch opportunities and ability to grab ball outside his frame. You know, he I honestly don't know that Burks has – like is missing many things that I'm looking for except probably elite athleticism, and I wonder what that kind of impact that's going to have. But the fact that he's not a bad athlete for sure right. is, is a big plus too because sometimes guys like that can just physically dominate college. But you could just see on his tape, and somebody said they don't like – combine 40 times and i'll like disagree on that because i think they are very helpful um typically but it doesn't make it more important than the tape and most of the time when a guy runs poorly at the combine you go back to the tape and you're like yeah they're probably not that fast like you're gonna have to concede that point right with burks i think he is fast clearly so clearly on tape against good competition that i'm just not worried about it at all in the nfl even though four five in a four five five is honestly a fine time for for a 225 pound dude yeah i mean mike evans ran a four five one and yeah. and and he's just a couple was, pounds lighter. Yeah. The, the the one thing, John, that bigger coming out, yeah. Did you find a little curious though? Because one of the things that that Bruce Allen, the former Bucks general manager, told me is he said, you know, th- there really is a consensus in the scouting community. He's like, I I I don't understand why people don't run at the combine because the NFL scouts teams will give you the benefit of the doubt. They will take mm-hmm. your best time if you run. Uh, at the combine, and you have a better time at your pro day, they'll take that time. If you ha- if there's a second pro day, sometimes there's a second pro day because of guys that may be injured, and you want to run it a right. third time, they will take your best time. So why would you want to limit yourself to one day, your pro day, to show up or show out when you could have a couple? And so the fact that that uh, he stood on what was you know uh, fun decent, but not great, yeah, yeah, right time. Yeah. And, and didn't run at his at his Arkansas Pro Day. Did you find that a little curious? I did. I think that it's something, if I were a team, I'd want to know the answer to. It doesn't mean yeah. I'd red flag it. I just think right. I'd want to know why. Now, it helped that from a couple people in attendance that were neutral on, on it, his positional workout was outstanding, they said. And, and that, I think, is what he wanted to focus on that now that he'd already run the 40. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I would ask about it. I would want to know if I were a team. That's the things, the questions I have with Burks get into the area kind of has got like things we don't necessarily 
know about from our perspective. Like we mm-hmm. just, I probably won't ever have the vantage point to be able to gain clarity into that unless it becomes public for some reason, in which case awesome, but it's more than likely going to be some you know version that, that he wants out there in public, you know, whether right. it's accurate or not. Uh, it could be it just, you know, that's how these things work. So I kind of just have to accept the limitations of my vantage point when I do scouting and that, and there are, I'm not saying I have no questions like Jamar Chase. I had no questions. I yeah. thought he was going to dominate the league. Uh, yep. And, and obviously it ended up being right his, his rookie year, but not many people didn't think that, I, you know, there were some people that were lower than me for sure, but not many people didn't think that, but that's, I don't have any questions like that about him, but I had, I have questions like that about any receiver in this class. I mean, Burks needs to develop as a full route runner for sure. Right. There's still some separation concerns at times, certain routes mm-hmm. and timing and things. And John, but if they draft there's a lot Burks. of skill there. If they draft Burks, he's not coming in as a day one starter. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to learn. So I would want to know three pros. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a it's a it's a great situation and a stylistically a great fit too. And there's a lot yeah. of ways he could help the offense early without having to have a big role. It would be right. a home run pick, and I think they see it that way. But remember, we are not. Although we line up with them on this one, we won't line yeah. up with them the whole way. Which is why I'm curious at, no, at number two, who's number two on their board. You mentioned Jamison Williams. By the yeah. way, I completely agree with you. I don't know if he's off their board, but it sounds like he's going to be a top 15 pick from what people are saying. So he yeah. might not be there. He could be. I don't know that at 27 they would take him either, though, Scott, because if he yeah. falls that far, there were some red flags with other teams probably. And the Bucks, they really aren't taking anybody who's been injured. Like health has been a big priority for them, Correct. like you said, in a win now window. Not that they totally disregard the future, but the right. one thing about Jameson Williams people aren't talking about is that what else does he do, Scott? What does he do other than run by people? Yeah, like I've watched almost all his games. Yeah, he didn't do anything at Ohio State before he came to Alabama. Comes to Alabama, they scheme him open half the time, which is awesome. And then he also he legitimately runs by people in the SEC all the time. But Devontae Smith was was a more well rounded wide receiver, right? Oh, not even question. Yeah, Jalen Waddle. I mean, you you can go down the list. Jerry Judy, and they have more well rounded. Uh, ability great to route runners. yeah yeah great route runners nuance could separate it throughout the full route tree i mean yep. waddle was he hardly got any contested catches because he was so fast but right he, when he did <laughs> he went up and made plays on the ball great vertical ability and ball yeah. skills great out of the catch we haven't seen any of that from williams like he's a very Correct. linear player right now just being fast doesn't mean you're always great after the catch it certainly helps it's a great trait to yep. have and certainly if you spring him a lane he can take it to the crib but Right now, there are still questions about him as a yak player, how he gets off press coverage, right. how big is he? Because he wasn't big at the combine. Obviously, he's going to lose weight with the ACL right now. But yeah. that's a those are big questions. Like If he's going to be primarily an outside receiver, you've got to be able to get off press coverage. And if you only have one trick, like everybody loves to say, oh, you'll be Deshaun Jackson. I saw Dan Orlovsky, who's hitting, let me tell you, batting <laughs> a thousand with some of these comps. Garrett Wilson is Julio Jones this year. I'm yeah. like, what in the... But he said Deshaun Jackson, which is a common one for Jameson Williams. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wrote today, I was like, there's a lot more about Deshaun Jackson that made him Deshaun Jackson in the NFL. Like, oh, yeah. first of all, he ran the full guy. route three. Like, yeah. <laughs> and second of all, the dude was unreal at the line of scrimmage. You couldn't yes. touch him. That's not Jameson Williams right now. Like, It's Correct. a different animal we're talking about here. He's much more likely, in my opinion, to fall in the Will Fuller range, hopefully not without yeah. the health concerns. Will Fuller went healthy. Um, that, that kind of range. Mike Wallace, I said, was a good conference in the Steelers yep. for the old Miss guy from league. Pittsburgh. Yeah, had some sure. really good years, uh, but yeah. was really dependent on the deep ball to be productive. In games when he hit it, he'd yeah. have a good fantasy day. In games when he didn't, he mm-hmm. wouldn't. And so I, right now, that's Williams' game. I would have loved to see another year of development with him in college, but he is a one-year wonder guy. It was a great year, no question. Yeah. Um, but he just doesn't have a very well-rounded skill set. I think the Bucks are looking for a more well-rounded skill set. So I agree with you. I would not have him very high up their board. In yeah. fact, and, I, and I would think he's far enough down their board that he wouldn't even be on it because he'll be off by the time they would draft him. I, I agree. And the other thing, too, is when you look at, at Traylon, Traylon Burks' physicality, right, they want guys that will that will block downfield in, in the run game. You know, And this is a big physical guy that – that is not afraid of contact. He will bowl people over. Uh, he's he's just he's a hoss. And and the guys we've talked about Williams, Olave, uh, you know Garrett Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just don't think that that they fit that criteria that the Bucks are looking for, which is somebody who's willing in in the running game to do a little bit of the dirty work. And and you know quite frankly, he's not the biggest guy, but Russell Gage is six foot one eighty four. Played in special teams, he is a dirty work kind of guy, and he will play bigger yeah. than his size. I think that was part of the scouting report. Right. So, right. 
you know, I, I think the next guy on the list, John, if we're going to go there about well, who the Buccaneers is it, might is it the player they've met with and they're bringing in for a visit that I don't know that he fits any of the criteria you're talking about. And Chris Olave, like, yeah. I just want, what are your thoughts? Like they clearly have shown interest, a formal interview. They are bringing him for a visit. He's going to be going to be one of their top 30 visits. Yeah. Obviously the downfield playmaking is there with, uh, with, I, I think uh, that's what Chris they're Olave, looking for but, is the downfield yeah. playmaking. I, th- I think they're looking for a vertical guy that, mm-hmm. that to his credit is bigger than Scotty Miller. And is taller than Scotty mm-hmm. Miller and better ball and skills. Better ball skills. And, and he's he's a better version of Scotty Miller and he's a tick faster. So I, I think that if they do go Olave, then he will essentially replace Scotty Miller on this team. And I, I think that that would be mm-hmm. the fit for him. But it's a very narrow fit. It's more, it's it's still a little bit of a one-trick pony with maybe some tassels and frills on it, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a nice saddle, but whereas Scotty Miller just was that, you know just that that horse that was a, a wild yeah. you know a mustang and just trucked down the field on vertical routes but but really more of like a of a of a smaller pony you know he just wasn't just not a big guy there's just not much you can do with scotty miller other than the vertical routes so i i do think maybe burks and olave are, yeah. are one and two for for tampa bay <laughs> It will be interesting because very different players. Like I said, Burks played most of his snaps inside at at Arkansas, but the handful he had outside were so dominant that I just am not really worried about him there. Now, Johnson. Olave. Yeah. Could he play inside in the Bucks offense? Scott, he doesn't really block that much. He gets a handful of snaps inside at Ohio State, but it's a pretty different role. Like he's not going to do anything after catch. So already, like the manufactured touches you got from AB and Godwin are probably out the window in terms of that. I think he was like, 323rd in the FBS and average mm-hmm. yards gained after the catch this season, this past season. So I, I know it's not necessarily the role he's using, but he fit, forced one missed tackle last year. Like he's just yeah. not going to break tackles or make people miss. Yeah, his speed, if you give him an open lane, he'll, he'll right. run through it, obviously. Now, but the, I don't the know. third guy the, on the, fit the list. seems finite. Yeah, the third guy on the list that I think is a Bucks fit uh, does all those things. He does run block. He does have the ability to break tackles, to make you miss, and the ability to go vertical. And you know what, John? He hasn't been uh, – ha- the news hasn't broken yet, but this guy, I believe, will be visiting Tampa because he is a local guy. And we're talking about Christian Watson, North Dakota State. Oh, uh, I think that Christian Watson – They were at his pro day. They were at his pro day, for sure. And he will get that that locals visit because he went to play in high school in Tampa. So if you – if you went to a nearby Florida school like USF, right? Um, I think Florida still is in that radius. Maybe UCF. The Bucks can bring you in as as a local visit, and also Correct. if you are a native of the Tampa Bay area, uh, like the Ohio State left tackle, for example. Um, I forget his name, but but um, he's coming in for a visit, uh, even though he went to Ohio State. Then you've got you've got uh, uh, Christian Watson as well, who can come mm-hmm. in. And the thing is, is this is a guy that it blew up the combine in terms of his athleticism, the running, the leaping, the uh, uh, the speed, everything. Just, just everything. he was he was so obviously the best wide receiver in Mobile, and it's so funny because going in, I don't know that anybody had him there that yeah. I saw, and coming out now, if you look at rankings. I don't know anybody has like Jalen Tolbert's usually the second guy that was in Mobile. Alec Pierce, like those guys are somewhere yeah. after Watson. But right. I, I don't know if I've seen anybody with one of those two over Watson. He's just clearly become the top guy from the group that was in Mobile. Now it wasn't a great group, but right. he was just light years be- and just in terms of raw ability. Like you watched yeah. him run around after everybody else in drills, there was just not even a comparison in terms of the way they moved. Yep. And John, you've mentioned this inaccurately so before on the podcast when talking about him from the combine and also from being in mobile yourself uh, and, and even writing about him in your bucks briefing today, which is a must read on pewterreport.com. Be sure you check that out. There is some, some rawness to his game because mm-hmm. North Dakota state's offense. I mean, you can call it balanced. It's almost run heavy. It's, it's, it's a run first game with a lot of play action passes and the ways that they, used him they used him on a lot of end rounds they used him on some reverses they used him on yep. some those manufactured plays to get him the ball at or near the line of scrimmage and then use that speed to break away and so i think that there's some creativity there that the buccaneers could really use for christian watson and the great thing about de- drafting a developing player like him is you don't need him to start right away with the roster that this team has right so 
he's a player that I believe will be a late first round pick. There's mm, just too yeah. many teams that are there. The, the Packers, the Chiefs, Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the Lions hack at 32. Are they still 32? Yes. I think they're, yeah. yeah. They're, so they need. I, I, I could see from even Tennessee from 26 on, I can see mm-hmm. that could be a spot, especially if Burks is gone, especially if Olave has gone and Williams and, and, uh, uh, uh Wilson, if, if those mm-hmm. players are gone, then all of a sudden you're going to start to see some of those later round yeah. teams interested in Christian Watson. I, I I agree with you. I think all things being equal, I'd feel better taking him in the second round. I don't think he would last to 60 mm-hmm. because of what he's done in the postseason, John. But I, I think that he could be gone at the end of, of the first round. And I think Tampa Bay is interested in him. Yeah, that's a... He is the hardest player in the class in a lot of ways, just because not because he's hard, because like what you see is hard to understand. It's just hard to project because there's yeah. he just didn't very much at North Dakota State. Nate Pitts asks, why the heck did he go to NDSU? He went because he wanted to win championships and they were yeah. the best. Like he was he was short in college. He was a smaller kid. He didn't get a ton of offers. He was overlooked by a lot of the major yeah. schools that would have, you know, if he were testing like he did now and it was the size that he is now. He would have gone, but he was like five nine when they were coming around recruiting his class. Yeah. And he grew to like six one and now he's like six four. So he was just kind of a physical <laughs> late bloomer. bloomer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it was. And and he played with um Wap Wap Filer in in uh in Tampa area, and he was the big name recruit. And so it was yeah. kind of a, a situation like that. But here's the interesting thing about Watson is that I do genuinely believe he's a team first guy. I think he'll impress teams enough in interviews. Um, yeah. there are clearly good signs and flashes of ball skills and his ability to lead I me mean, he is not a joke according to relative athletic score and other metrics as well one of the best wide receivers in terms of athleticism of all ever. time in terms of wide receiver <laughs> prospects ever like yeah. ras which has measured thousands of wide receivers yeah. over the years including non-combine wideouts guys from small schools who were just athletes trying to get yep. a chance he is the second best score ever other yep. than calvin johnson like that's, that's how good now, Calvin was 230-some pounds, and I don't know how much there's weight adjustments happening with these scores, but Spark has them. Spark weight adjusts, and they have them great, too. Yeah. Like, And Christian Watson is, yes, he went from being this 5'9 kid who was overlooked to being one of the best draft prospects in terms of athleticism ever. So yeah. there's a huge ceiling here. You could easily make the case, especially in this class, his ceiling is greater than any other wide receiver in the class. The mm-hmm. problem is, Scott, he runs like two routes on his college tape. You yep. could tell at the Senior Bowl that even though he's talented enough to run the route tree – it's new to him for sure. Yeah. There's no question. He doesn't have the he, nuances of, yes. of winning uh, yeah. those routes on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. And he dropped and a also lot too. of passes in college. And, yeah. and he and, didn't have a lot of targets in college and he dropped right. a lot of passes. And and the other so, thing is the level of competition. I mean, North Dakota State yep. is just like out athleted everybody. Right. He, he is just a lot of war running wide open in the open fields, got off play right. action, running by people. It is just difficult to say like how far his traits could take him. Even right. if he's a great worker, Matt Collins is a great dude, a special teamer. Everybody loves him or he's been yep. in the NFL. He had all these great traits. He just never, it never clicked for him in the NFL that's in terms right. of instincts. And, and, that's and you know, John, with, with Watson, the thing is, is, is they call North Dakota state, the Alabama of the FCS. And it is, they're, they're the powerhouse, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is, is up in, in that FCS, there is no Auburn. There is no Georgia. There is no Mississippi, you know, there, there's there's no uh, Florida. There's no other SEC caliber schools or schools that are close to NDSU really on a regular basis. Uh, like you would find if you say Alabama, then you think of those other SEC schools with great SEC competition, LSU, et cetera. And there just isn't that at the FCS level. Yeah. So it's going to be a yeah. big adjustment for him. In the it, NFL it's a huge adjustment for him. And I was honestly, the only reason I even consider him in the top 100 with that profile is a couple things. He had 59, 20 yards or more, and he only had 164 total touches. I'm not even talking about catches. 164 touches, returns, rushes, receptions, while he was at North Dakota State. And he had 800 yards receiving last year. (laughs) Yes, 800 yards receiving last year. That was the best year ever by far. So there is a lot of projection there, but that intrigues me right there. Big playability. If you're not going to be a full, well-rounded player, at least be able to give me splash plays. The other thing that gives me a lot of hope, Scott, he went to the senior bowl and looked like the best guy. He went to the combine, right. tested like an elite athlete, not by FCS standards, yeah. by NFL standards, by NFL history standards. That's right. That's if you're going to be raw, you need those things. And he has those things. Now 6'4, 208 or 211, I think he might have been at the at the combine. Yeah. Great start. 
but right. how much can he be developed? Wide receiver is such a mental mm-hmm. position. People forget that and they overlook it. We focus all on the testing and I'm a believer in the testing, right. but I think it matters more for other positions even than wide out. And I'll talk about that with David Bell. You know what's and crazy too? I think is, Watson's ceiling is insane. You know, I agree. And here's the thing. Here's why it could really work in Tampa. Not just because he has the luxury of learning from a, a guy that's almost like his prototype and in, in, in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, and and it not being pressed to come in and be wide receiver one or wide receiver two as a rookie, so he's right. got that developmental time. The other thing is is and I don't, I don't think this would be the case with Burks or Olave, whatever. But you could with Christian Watson, he could be your special teams gunner as a rookie, in addition mm-hmm. to seeing some snaps on offense. He yes. could be your kick return guy. He had a kick return touchdown and had a pretty healthy average for kick returns at North Dakota State. So he can bring. I mean. We saw them use Joe Tryon Shoinka on special teams as advertised by by uh, Bruce Arians. And, uh, you know, he didn't make the splash plays that Grant Stewart and K.J. Britt did necessarily, but you saw Tryon on special teams as a first-round pick. That's some value right out of the gate that you could get from Christian Watson too. So, John, I, I, I would bet that Christian Watson ends up being a first-round pick by somebody. I just think hmm, that it's not. Where would you go to make this bet? Well, I would go to my bookie, you know, but I don't know if they have those prop bets up yet, John, but what they do have is the continuation of March Madness. It's final four time. So with Gonzaga officially bounced from the NCAA tournament, the, N- the national championship is up for grabs. And so is the bag at my bookie. Now it's a better's market when the dogs are barking, right? The number one seed lost to Arkansas proved that the underdogs provide the best value, but there's a lot of blue bloods in there now. But take advantage and get some skin in the game with MyBookie. Sign up today at MyBookie. Use the promo code Pewter to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000. It's simple. Deposit $200 and play with $300 instantly. Just use the promo code Pewter to claim your bonus. Mobile or on the go, college ball or NBA, no matter the league, no matter the minute, MyBookie puts the action in your hands so you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie and use their promo code pewter. We've talked a lot about Christian Watson. You think he'll go a little bit higher than I think he'll go just because I think he is so raw and teams will see him mm-hmm. that way. But the recent changes of wide receiver in Kansas city and green Bay have me pausing and looking at things and I'll You're get back to you now. after my next. Yes. There's going to be some desperation because yeah. the wide receiver free agency group is pretty dried up, but we glossed over somebody, Scott, or maybe it was intentional. I'm curious, Drake London, you said you think yeah. he's going to be off the board by the time the bucks pick. His pro day is in a week, maybe I want right. to say. Uh, his pro days happened, but he didn't run at it because he was recovering from that broken ankle. Gave himself a couple more weeks. I believe April 5th right. is when he is going to run for NFL teams. Yeah. I am fascinated by Drake London because he's the most unique player in the class. I think listening to everybody talk about him, I talk to people and also just watching him play and he talks trash. He's physical. He stiff arms guys. It takes a couple guys to get him to the ground. He is aggressive. He plays inside and outside. He actually runs pretty good routes for a guy who I believe is a is a pretty limited athlete. Uh, he obviously can go up and get the ball, even if he isn't a great leaper. That's you know, Mike Williams jumped 32 inches. You know what I right. mean? Like coming out of the combine, he's yeah. one of the best jump ball receivers I've literally ever seen in my life. So like, I don't think it's the end of the world. He just has amazing ball skills, like to get he the does. ball in the air, box out, basketball background. There's some JJR saying. Whiteside stuff. The difference I would say is that I think London is a better route runner than our Sega Whiteside was coming out. Mm-hmm. That could give him a leg up, but we can't get away from the fact that I just don't think the guy's fast. Right. So while he has a lot of the size and ball skills and toughness things the Bucks like, are they going to be able to remember Tyler Johnson never ran the 40? It sounds like Drake London is right. going to run the 40. Nobody thought Tyler Johnson would be fast. The Bucks love their time speeds on him and they took him because yeah. of that. I don't even know how they get there with Drake London because he doesn't even look fast on tape, Scott. I, agree. I thought Tyler I agree. Johnson looked faster on tape, to be honest. Is speed the thing that could keep him off the Bucks board? Because other than that, it feels like he would be a guy that, that fits and makes some sense for them, but I just don't know if they can get past the speed. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. And and the thing is, is we talked about Traylon Burks being a bigger wide receiver for Tampa Bay, but Johnny can do more things. He can he can get more yak. He can play in the slot. I just think he's more versatile. He can do end arounds. I mean, you can do a lot with him. Wide receiver screens because of his size. I mean, you, he catches the ball, he falls forward, he gets a first down. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. that's just who he is. I think with with London, he's more of of a carbon copy of of Mike Evans and, and really a poor man's version. Not too poor. I'm not one to dog at him too much, but yeah. I just I just I, I think that, that London, way. I think London and Evans are kind of like 
you know, they're X receivers, there's their split ends, and that's kind of what they do. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if, that there's the versatility for a bigger wide receiver, uh, especially in the first round, mm-hmm. that you would get with Burke. So that's my only yeah. hesitation there. And and John, I think the speed thing is is a real concern. I, I think that he does have his fans in the league for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I I agree. I think it's a Bucks fit. If you were to fall to twenty seven, maybe they maybe. consider him. Yeah. But. Maybe, yeah. It's how he runs is going to be big at his pro day, but I, I say that while in the same breath acknowledging that at his pro day, I don't think they are going to let this man run anything lower than a four five. If you catch my drift, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he is already the higher than a four five. Like his right. testing number will be fine if they try to yeah. pull some four four on us, like Jay Jarosega Whiteside right. did. I might call BS, but yeah. he'll run in somewhere in the four fives, and everybody will be like, "All right, box checked," and they'll feel good about right. Well, and what what he'll say too is if he runs a four five five or four five two, whatever it is, he'll say, "I'm I'm not a hundred percent. You know, I'm mm-hmm. close. Yeah, I was yeah. I was good right, enough right. to run. I could I'm run four four. That. Sure, yeah. sure, you could. But right. Yeah, you so let me ask you this: <laughs> Is he a better wide receiver than Michael Pittman Jr.? I don't think he's as better wide receiver than Michael Pittman Jr. because I think Michael I Pittman Jr. made more plays down the field, and that's I why I have a higher grade than Michael Pittman Jr. The big plays matter right. too. While Pittman could also make plays underneath. Yep. I do think, however, that Drake London might be more versatile. I don't know. I have to watch Michael Pittman in the NFL, but mm-hmm. I think a little bit differently than you. I know a lot of people are comparing him to Mike Evans. To me, the big difference is just Mike Evans ran by people in college, and he's run mm-hmm. by people his whole NFL career. He's not yep. a contested catch guy. Um, to what to the degree well, that people want to believe he is London, he, he was with Winston because Jameis Winston made <laughs> yeah, him that. Sure, he, he, yeah, yeah. You just but, chuck it up and say, Mike, right. please help me out. And Mike but you Woods. can see watching Evans with Brady. I mean, he is it's running by yes. people. Jalen Ramsey's like the elite athletes in the yeah. NFL. He is a speedster, and that's a huge difference in their games, right. in my opinion. But I think London could be a big slot in the NFL. To be honest, the NFL's moving that way already with that position and. You know, his possession style, his big body, middle of the field, his toughness. Yeah. He does do things after the catch. He's not, you know, shifty or explosive per se, but he is right. crafty and he's very physical after the catch. So he can be useful, but it's just going to be a defined role. I don't think he's going to be dominant like he was in college, but he can be a useful player in the NFL. I have no clue whether the Bucs, I'm just, I'm going to yeah. reserve. I'm going to see his 40. I want to see how he runs and reactions to it. And we'll see if the Bucs are there. Just all of those things. Right now, I'd say let's put him at fourth on their board behind Watson, which basically yeah. would mean he'll be off their board because he would be gone by the time they would take him probably. Right. Um, but let's do it that way. Yeah. So these are kind yeah. of obvious ones. Go ahead, address this yeah, here, one. Here's, here's one question I do want to address. Uh, Scott was pumping up Darden during camp, and, and that's a fact. I mean, you saw it too, John. I mean, Jalen Darden yeah. looked really good in camp. The only problem is, is I've been, I've been around the block 27 times, 27 mm. years. Um, it, it, the only thing that matters is when the pads come on. At any position, yeah, yeah. it just is. I mean, yeah. Kenny Bell was a phenomenal fifth-round pick out of Nebraska. This guy was blowing by mm-hmm. everybody in OTA. Speed merchant guy. I mean, just uh, you know, great charisma. I mean, he had he had a presence on the field. He felt really good about him. Even in training mm-hmm. camp, had a f- tremendous training camp. The Pats come on in the preseason. He fumbled his first kickoff opportunity, and just never recovered. Right. Um, just just was. Uh, he was not courageous, I guess is probably the best way I could say it. Had the drops, lack of concentration. It just, it, it just is different yeah. when the lights come on. So uh, yeah, all we can do is, is, is report on the present, like what's happening today. Yeah. And in August, Jalen Darden was looking good. The coaches were saying that the players were saying, Hey, this dark yep. guy's looking great. Okay, great. And let's see it when the pads come on. Yeah. And he got nicked up too after that, if you remember, yep. and it slowed some things down for him. But here's the thing, Tony and other fans, I think, have to ask themselves when we report those things. Do we want us to not tell them how players are doing? Like, because that's <laughs> right. part of the job. We've got to be able to say, we've got yeah. to be able to say a player is doing well. Now, if we said, yeah. I think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver this year, that's a different story. Right. But if we can't tell you when the player is doing well, because you come back and say, Well, you said he was doing well. Well, he was doing yeah. well. Like, that's, that's the right. point of what we're doing is to tell you that. It's like, we can say Cyril Grayson had a great game against the Jets and say Cyril Grayson may not make the roster this year. Like, That's right. There's a good chance he doesn't. You know, the, yep. We can say both those things. And if we can't say both those things and both of them be equally true, then I just feel like it limits us as reporters in terms of what we can hear. So people have to ask right. themselves that when they bring up stuff from the past. Now, project out and we're wrong, absolutely we'll take that out. Like if I project yep. out and say Leonard Fournette's not going to be a three-down back, which I, I believe I've said in some form, 
sure. then yeah, I got to take that L when he has a pretty good year being a, being a three down back. So that's at the same at the same time that he wasn't expected to be, and nobody really saw it coming. And kudos to Leonard for making it happen. You know. Right. Exactly. Yep. He developed and, and took that jump and he deserves credit for it. We've yeah. talked about a lot of the guys who are who are kind of obvious in terms of the Bucks' mm-hmm. interest, but I think it's been helpful to hear us talk through them and rank them as yep. we get into the last five minutes or so here, Scott, who are other players that you see? We don't necessarily have to say where they're at. I'm curious to other yep. players that you see that might be Bucks fits. And while yep. you're thinking of those, I just want to throw two names out there and you can sure. say whether you agree or disagree. I know people like Sky Moore. Yep. I don't really see him as a buck at all. Like I, I don't really see Jahan Dotson as a buck. Sky Moore, yep. I don't think that's just the size. I just think they'll be interested in other receivers, to be honest. He's just mm-hmm. better fit in other offenses. He's not going to play inside in Tampa Bay, in my opinion. And I don't think they're looking for a smaller outside receiver if that's where they go. Jahan right. Dotson is, I mean, just ridiculously light. He's 178 smaller. pounds and yeah. he's smaller. And yeah, there's, I have some questions with Dotson Save just in terms of how his game will translate to the NFL. Great college yep. player. Outside of those guys, are there guys later in the draft that you see as potentially Bucks fits? I think I Alec Pierce. Time, but yeah, you know, yeah. The, the Buccaneers met with him formally at the combine, and I think that's a player they're they're interested in. Uh, they they had some people at the Cincinnati Pro Day. I mean, the scouts go to almost all of the pro days, right? That mm-hmm. that's their job to at least the area scouts. But but this is a player that might be honing in on. We had him in our latest mock draft. I believe it's the fourth round pick. He would be a really good day three player. He's very fast, right? He's got very good size, 6'3", 211, or 213, I believe, whatever the, the number is. Uh, 40 um, and a half inches, I believe. <laughs> yeah, he is a big-time contested catch guy. He is mm-hmm. a vertical threat as well. So, again, you're kind of thinking of him as a, a bigger version of Scotty Miller, who, can, who has a much bigger catch radius, that it can still be that vertical downfield guy. He was Desmond Ritter's go-to Mm-hmm. receiver for Cincinnati. He has years of production. He's not a, a one-hit wonder. So I I think that is somebody the Buccaneers may consider in round three, certainly consider in round four. Remember, we were both high on Tyler Johnson when he slipped into the fourth round and the Bucs got mm-hmm. him. We thought that was a really good pick at the time, and I think it was at the time. And this is a similar player, I think, in the fact that that there's a lot of receivers in this draft class and I think he's one of those guys that's a Bucks fit that may be there in those middle rounds. Interesting player. Um, I'm not a player I particularly liked on tape. Josh Capo writes for us, uh, does like him a lot more than we do. So shout out yeah. Josh, and uh, right. he'll be on the show at some point as we get closer to, I'm sure, talk about. And he, his, he was kind of invisible at the Senior Bowl, was he not? You were there with, with Matt. Yeah, he was invisible at the Senior Bowl. He went to the Combine, did really good things. I mean, to run 4-4-1 and, and to jump 40, I think it's 40 and a half inches, that's incredible. Like that's a great, that puts him basically in the map for a BF top four round pick. Right. I don't know that this tape does. Here's the thing. You can be fast, but he's kind of the opposite of Burks. Like he, he just doesn't, there's no explosiveness to him. See Burks to me right. is just explosive. His ability to go from yes. a, a slower speed to a faster speed is just Pierce awesome. has to build. Does he not? Yeah. Pierce just has to build and it, it, it is there at the end, I think, but he is a very linear player. There's not a lot of shake in his route. He will wear defenders on his hip his whole career, basically. Uh, Teams would love to be able to make him a big slot, but I'm just not sure that the route running ability is ever going to be there for him to be a great big slot. He honestly looks to me like a wide receiver four, five, who can play inside and outside in a pinch, but probably isn't going to be great if teams game plan for him or have, you know, every week he's coming out, he's the starter. Oh, we can take him out of the game. Like, great in the red zone, maybe, but blocking, hopefully teams he would challenge Brashard Perriman Scotty Miller Tyler Johnson right yes. that he he's a depth guy I think yes. and a special teams player too probably mm-hmm. great I mean you look at Justin Watson he was a special team star very similar uh athletic testing numbers and size and Justin Watson until he got hurt had yeah. some real value as a day three guys a special teams player right Matt uh mentions Romeo Dubs I agree with you Matt yeah. vertical guy I think he could be a Bucks fit we're talking about later round guys here now. Yeah, if plan A, or they decide to go a different direction. It's you know Devontae Wyatt's there, Zion Johnson's there, and right. second round guys they like are there, and they just decide to wait on wide out because there's other players they like more at other positions, and they decide to wait. These are good options for them later in the draft. Right. Jalen Tolbert um, is another one. Ty T mentions him here, vertical yep. guy. 
Uh, very happy that he ran better. I wish he would have been better at the Senior Bowl. He was fine at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. It can be a big jump. And remember, he was South Alabama guy, so he's playing at home. And a little bit you know, of there can be there. some distractions yeah. with mm-hmm. that and some pressure with that. I thought late in the week he he did a lot better. There's ball skills there, and there's clear ex- – not just speed, but acceleration too. Uh, and Tro- Tolbert is an intriguing mid-round add to me for a team. I, I would like him as a box option if they strike out on some of the other ones. Um, so there's some players, Scott. Uh, it's yeah. not the most loaded class, maybe. Some people mentioned Khalil Shakur. Shakur. He is an interesting player. Um, yeah. I need to watch him more, frankly, before I went on that one. There's some smaller guys I don't really see. I don't think David Bell, although I think that some parts of his game are are very fun, and and I yeah. think the Bucks will, will he's a good admire him. Player, you know? Yeah, I think he's just a yeah. big slot in the NFL. He's Jarvis Landry. He's right. Jason Avant. Like he's mm-hmm. those kind of guys who Possession are get receiver. savvy, toughness, hands, smarts, yeah. blocking. Like Zach Pascal. Like he's those kind right. of guys to me that a little kind of survive that way in the NFL. He's gonna have a career. I just don't think it'll be in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, those are kind of how I see the class. I don't think some of the smaller guys will interest them as the class gets going on. I think it's going to be yeah. kind of some of those guys we talked about. There's a chance that like a Danny Gray or Tyquan Thornton late in the draft, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think that, yeah, those are kind of the names that I'd have on my radar for the Bucks. A guy like Justin Ross, when you run him four I'm sixes in your yeah. pro day, you're just probably That's off. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. George Pickens with- is the one we didn't mention, Scott. I have no yeah. clue what to do there yet. I don't <laughs> either. Barely play look. Barely played this past year, four games, yeah. but really wasn't himself, wasn't a factor very mm-hmm. much. The year before, played about half of what they play, only played like eight games. He was at times he's invisible, then all of a yeah. sudden he runs by somebody, a really unpredictable player early in his career, hot headed. I, I feel much better taking him as a as a falling guy in the fourth round, right? As a yeah. as an early day three guy, get him with the with a, a chip on his shoulder, right? I feel better taking him there. Than I would in the second or third round. I would want him coming in, chip on the shoulder. Wait, I'm better. I'm better than a day three wide receiver. I'm going to show everybody that I think is where George Pickens would flourish with that type of mindset. There, there were some maturity issues. You talked about the fight and, the, and those types of things. There were some maturity issues at Georgia, and so I think that that him going to the right team and the right round. I think honestly, day three would be better for him because he would have a chip on his shoulder wherever he goes. But folks, right. if you're looking for some financial chips. Uh, to put in your bank. Uh, the place to go is is Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Folks, if you want to get to Colorado, or maybe you want to go to Vegas for the draft, right? Wherever you want to go, the place to save your money and make some money on your investments is Immuni Financial because managing your family's wealth means more to Immuni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. Over 40 years of experience, do what I did. I put my money where my mouth is. I literally gave Immuni Financial uh, the vast majority of my financial investments, and they've helped me plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Immuni Financial today, 1-800-868-6864. Call Dave or Mark and ask for a risk-free, no-obligation consultation, and they'll give it to you. Or visit them on the web at immuni.com. Well, Scott, I think that kind of wraps our thoughts on the class. To be honest, there were some questions even in the chat. Uh, I'm not going to say – I'm going to say this name wrong. Uh, Nebraska wide receiver. Ture. Samori Ture. Yeah. He is not – and Lance Zierlein is watching almost 500 people. He's yeah. not in his wide receiver group yet. Yeah, he's, yet, he's, I mean, we'll see. He's, an he's not on PFS free agent. either. Yeah, yeah he, he played at, at Montana. He was a Grizzly and then transferred to Nebraska. Uh, where he has value is he's kind of a, a vertical player. He's got some speed. He's a good run blocker. But he wasn't I at really the combine, right? W- was not at the combine, but I believe he's an undrafted free agent type. He's around seven undrafted free agent type. But a guy that I like in that in that vein better than Samari Toure was, uh, or I should say, is uh, Dijon ja- uh, Dixon. Mm-hmm. Dijon Dixon right. uh, from Nickel State. He really showed up and showed out at the NFLPA Bowl and and was a really good player. Had over 100 yards in that game plus a touchdown. 
just a slow 40 yard dash time is what's going to keep that's him your, on draft. That's your Marquez Stevenson in this in this class. Bucks, yeah, but, but Stevenson could fly though. I mean, this yeah, this yeah, guy is, right. he's like a four six two. You know, he's he big. He's like he yeah, he's like four, six, six four two twelve two fifteen. He's a bigger body. Go okay. up, get a contested catch guy. I forgot More, what he ran at the combine. I know he was there. Yeah, but... I think he's in the four six range. But he's okay. he's a he's a possession guy that with right. some sneaky speed. But he's really a camp guy. Okay. Seventh round undrafted yeah. free agent type. Interesting, interesting. Well, there's a pretty good breakdown of the wide receiver class and what you think. Uh, what directions you think the Bucks could go? I think at this point, uh, JC wants to know. First time listener, uh, do you think they bring in Julio Jones? It's a fun idea, just in terms of like the yeah. reactions on social media would be incredible. Yeah. But I genuinely think Julio's cooked, and I don't think yeah. the Bucks would have any interest. They are not yeah. taking on guys with injury issues. Yeah. They just too much money. It's not their mo right now. Like, not happening. Yeah, yeah, and he he would want a bigger role. And let's just be real. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, so just me pushing. He wants to know about handle and returns. Some of them can, but don't hold your breath. Christian yeah. Watson, kicker turner, right? never, can. never yeah. a part do it. I think, but kicker turner. Right. Uh, subscribe to the Pewter Report TV YouTube channel if you like this show and hear about the wide receivers in the class. Please hit the like button before you leave. Helps boost our YouTube algorithm. We get out to more people. The show gets broadcast more. Everybody gets rich. We all die happy. It's wonderful. <laughs> so if you could do that, please do that for us. Uh, the Pewter Report TV YouTube channel is close. We're close to 8,000. We want to get you. there by the draft. So thanks to y'all. Keep it going. Spread the word. Let's get to 8,000. We can do it by the draft. We're going to do it by the draft for yep. sure. So we appreciate y'all. We'll be back tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern. Might have a little Bucks seven-round mock draft live I like action. It. We might I like do it, it live on the show. No big deal. It's going to be like a little it. fun thing that we're trying out. So until thanks so much to everybody for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. <laughs>